Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So far our text. The Feast of Pentecost was one of the three major feasts in the Old Testament church calendar. And the Feast of Pentecost, as one of those times where every Israelite male was supposed to gather in front of the temple or in front of the tabernacle to hear God's Word. It's exactly what we have in the Feast of Pentecost before us today. God gathering the whole world together so that they might hear the great and mighty works of the Lord. And He does it in a very wonderful Very big way, that's also a very small way. In Jerusalem, the disciples, all 120 of them, are sitting in a room. And this great rustling sound shakes the entire house. Tongues of fire fill the room and then land on each of them. And for most of us, we remember the Sunday school pictures of it where you have the twelve apostles with the little tongues of fire on their head. Most of the early church fathers actually believed that the tongues of fire did not appear on their head, but in their mouths, showing the people what was important that day was to hear that word. And so as God is setting this up, He's already gotten the crowd together. Luke tells us there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. God had literally brought the entire world to Jerusalem for that one day, for that one moment, where something big would happen through something small. Because it is the Holy Spirit filling the disciples that sends out the great message of what God has done for us in Christ. Big thing, but all comes from each one of those disciples. All 120 of them speaking one simple message. But God causes it to be heard by every person in their own native language. And as we look at the verses, especially 9 and 10, we see all these names of places that no longer are called by that name and nobody really knows how to pronounce anyway. Which is why pastors enjoy having this reading, so that we can butcher them ourselves. But in that you have 12 regions of the Roman Empire brought out, that the entire empire is represented there. Even visitors from Rome 
as the imperial city. Jew and proselyte, Jew and Gentile alike, Cretan and Arabian, whether Crete in the west and Saudi Arabia in the east, or Crete being the islands in the uttermost parts of the sea, and Arabia being that center of the mainland of the Middle East. Everything in all of creation is centered on this one moment. And suddenly there came from heaven a a sound, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. Now this is not the same upper room that we saw them in last week as they were picking Judas' replacement. This is one of the houses connected to the temple as one of the meeting places. Otherwise, as we get to the end of chapter 2, how are we going to fit 3,000 people in one house? It's, I mean, there's some big houses, but not that big. So when this big sound comes in, and it bewilders everyone who hears it, And it brings up the question that we have from the psalm. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Where can we go away from God? If we go up into heaven, well, He's there. If we go into the grave, into Sheol, He's there as well. We fly to the uttermost parts of the sea. Well, just said, he brought them into Jerusalem as well. Because he wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Which is why the big thing is the tongues of fire that appeared on each of them. And very reminiscent, as Pentecost morphed throughout the Old Testament to also being a commemoration, a celebration of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the second set of tablets with the Ten Commandments. And that moment where they look on him and they're bewildered because he has just come from the presence of God and God's glory, even just the reflection of it, is shining in his face. And they say, Moses, no, you got to put something over that. We can't deal with even the reflection of God's glory. It's the same picture with the disciples and the tongues of fire. Because they were embodying the Holy Spirit. They had that shining as well to show that this is something important happening here. And as Peter will say, it is a celebration of what both Joel says as he quotes it in the sermon, but also what Ezekiel says. At the end of Ezekiel, God says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. So we sing on this Pentecost Sunday, Holy Spirit, light divine, shine upon this heart of mine. Chase the shades of night away. Turn the darkness into day. And Holy Spirit, all divine, dwell within this heart of mine. Give us what the disciples had at Pentecost. Now, granted, people would start freaking out if 
people started breathing fire you know, while they were talking in church. But the Holy Spirit doesn't need to do that anymore. We saw it last Sunday with Logan's baptism. The Holy Spirit coming upon him. And the Holy Spirit always comes in an audible, visible way. As you see on Pentecost in Acts 2, the mighty rushing wind that gathers everybody together to see the tongues of fire. Or Jesus at His baptism in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. And the voice of the Father speaking from heaven. I will put my Spirit within you and you will live. And that is what we celebrate in our baptisms. The beginning of our journey in the church is that we have the Spirit put within us. He indwells in us. And we have life everlasting. And we can say as we hear in the funeral service, Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Why? Because we have the Spirit within us. And the Spirit always works for a particular purpose in that time. So what is it that they're doing on Pentecost? What is the Spirit doing? Well, Luke says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's not that these guys, who were ordinary fishermen, most of them, had studied all these different languages of the Persians and the Medes and the Romans and all of this. No. The Spirit gave each one of them the opportunity to share the gospel of what God has done through Jesus in the 50 days prior. And they marvel. Everybody's astonished and amazed because they had come to hear yet again another service, probably done in Hebrew, that nobody except the priest had actually studied in more than a couple hundred years. Maybe they might get it in Aramaic. But they get to hear it in their own native language. Because the Holy Spirit comes to break the barriers to the gospel down. You know, on Pentecost, the greatest barrier was language. Because, yes, they had to sit there normally and listen to it and do the mental gymnastics of translating in their head, going, okay, what does this mean to me in my language? What does this phrase mean? God doesn't want that for Pentecost. He wants everyone to hear and understand right off the bat all the great things that He has done. But of course, you have the mockers who say they're full of new wine and are drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But again, God bringing everyone together for the hour of prayer on this special feast day. And not only to give it to the 3,000, but also to show the disciples what Jesus had said in the upper room on Monday, Thursday. 
When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. And He says He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. This is probably the greatest thing that a pastor ever hears. And thankfully, it's usually read at most of their installations. That I don't have to worry about what I have to say here. I mean, yes, I put it all together, but I'm just repeating what I've heard. It's not my word. So yes, those times where you hear, where you say, yeah, it's a great sermon. Okay, thank you, but not me. And when it's those times where you're squirming, because, okay, pastor's getting a little too close to home. Again, not me, but just echoing what I have been told and what I have been given by the Spirit. Not speaking on my own authority, but like the Holy Spirit, speaking what I have heard. And so what is it that we hear? We hear the great works of the Lord, our ascended Lord, who was crucified, but also raised from the dead. And God points this out to Ezekiel in the vision he has of the dry bones. Utterly, completely dry. No life in them. And what does God ask Ezekiel? Can these bones live? Ezekiel's like, they look dead to me. But God says, no, prophesy over these bones. And with that, Yet again, the Spirit comes upon them. And the rattling sound, and the bones connecting back, and the sinews, and the tendons, and the flesh, and the skin coming upon them, bringing them back to life through the word of the prophet. And as he says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And then he says, Prophesy to the breath. Says, tell the breath from all four winds, from all over the world once again, to come to this place and bring them back to life. Because this is what God was promising all along. That life that we have through faith in Christ. And so he ends the wonderful vision to Ezekiel. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. And then Peter picks up on a similar theme through the prophet Joel. Of these being the last days. And the Spirit descending upon not just the prophets, not just the priest, but upon everyone, all flesh, receiving the Holy Spirit. And he says, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants I will send my Spirit. No one is taken out of that equation. And why is he doing it? Well, the very last line of our reading from Acts and the prophecy from Joel. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? Does it count when I'm slamming on the brakes because the guy in front of me slammed on his brakes? No, that does not count as calling on the Lord. 
That's a violation of several commandments, and you should see me after service. No, this is calling upon the Lord in faith. Taking this idea that begins back in Genesis 4, as Moses is going through and giving the first genealogies of, of the descendants of Adam, that after Seth's son is born, that men started to call upon the name of the Lord, started to worship and gather together to celebrate the great things that the Lord has done. And so, also, Pentecost shows us God bringing people together. Last year, in the cycle of readings, we had the reading from the Tower of Babel on Pentecost Sunday. That great moment of judgment where God came down and confused all the languages, scattered everybody out to the four winds. Why? Well, first of all, it was judgment, but also to be able to show mercy by generations and millennia later bringing everybody back together in one place to hear of God's mercy. And not only just to be able to hear it in one language, but to hear it in everybody's native language. All however many of them there were. The great miracle coming about for a small thing. One simple sermon. Probably no more than ten minutes long. But God is reversing the Tower of Babel. Showing that it's not just one group of people. Not just one nation that he's worried about. But it's everyone. And so he breaks the barriers down. Because as he says through Isaiah, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And what does God send His word out for? Salvation. Mercy. Grace. Pointing us to our Savior who gave His life, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And to remind us all that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen.